Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So for the last five weeks, we've been uh, examining the concept, the idea of hard knocks. I need you to lean in this morning and lock in with me. We're going to wrap up this series this morning talking about hard knocks. We've been talking about the fact that the enemy has discovered that if he can use a hard knock against us and hit us hard enough, that what is accomplished is it shakes us and rattles us at the core of our understanding of who we are. We've said that hard knocks come because we live in a sin-infested world. Hard knocks are the results of what other people do to us. Uh, most of the hard knocks that we experience in life are because of our own decisions and bad choices. It doesn't really matter how we experience the hard knocks. What matters is this. The enemy has discovered that if he can hit us hard enough, we won't know who we are. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus lets us in on the enemy's job description. He says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what, I've un understand, what I understand now and what I hope you understand is that if he can steal your understanding of who you are, then the kill and destroy part of his job and his task becomes much easier. And so we are trying to understand who we are. We said that if we don't have a clear understanding of who we are, then we act like, behave like, believe like, operate like orphans. Churches look a lot more like orphanages than they do the body of Christ a lot of times. And the result is, is that we spend most of our time, if we're not careful, wondering if Jesus and God really loves us and wandering, trying to find what we can only get from them. And so it is imperative that we determine and understand to how to respond and react to hard knocks. I, I mentioned last week that Jesus' entire ministry, an interesting thing has happened in my life as we've been dealing with this hard knocks. Now when I read the New Testament and I read all the things that Jesus talked about, I realize that what Jesus, his entire ministry was slanted towards trying to teach us that we're not orphans, that we are the sons and the daughters of God. And so we've got to know that. In fact, last week we began to talk about one of his teachings. We call it the prodigal son. The prodigal son account or a story that he tells revealed to us the symptoms that we can see in our own life that reveal whether or not we have an orphan's heart. And so I want us to do this. I want us to now examine an encounter that Jesus had because this encounter, I could go to almost any encounter in his ministry, but this particular encounter shows us how important it is to uproot and, and, and upend the mindset of an orphan in our spirit and in the tendencies of our heart. We've got to get this right, all right? Are you with me? I had two with me, all right? We're a talkback church, remember? Are you with me? All right, I want you to lean in. Don't let your neighbor distract you this morning. I want us to work backwards. I know we don't normally do that. We read accounts in order. But this morning, I want us to do this. I want us to work backwards a little bit. And I do this occasionally because I think 
it forces us to slow down and think about what's happening. So if you will, I want you to get your Bibles out. If you don't have them, it'll be on the screen. I want you to look in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And then John gives us some information here that's important. He says, this is the Mary who, this Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Pause for just a moment. Come on, Bible scholars. You recognize that this is the Mary that was probably, come on, go back to the account. Remember what happens. She approaches Jesus to anoint his feet with oil, and all the religious people get mad, and they begin to point fingers. We'll come back to that. You remember why? Probably because she was a former prostitute okay so we're on the same page so John tells us this is the Mary who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair so the sisters sent word to Jesus Lord the one you love is sick verse 17 on his arrival Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary, Mary Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother and when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now, I need you to slow down here and listen to what these two ladies say. Martha knows Jesus is coming. She approaches him and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? Here, listen to her response. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are, like, are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. All right, so that, that exchange happened. Now listen to what happens. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, see if this sounds familiar, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. All right, so that's the passage. Now let's back up. I want to go to an account that took place before this account. Are you ready? We're doing a little Bible work here. It's okay to do Bible work in a church, right? All right, in Pastor Church, we do some Bible work, right? All right, here we go. Luke chapter 10. We're backing up now. Luke chapter 10 says this in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, to, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. All right, let's do some homework. Let's do some reflection. So last week, 
Uh, a quick reminder out of the prodigal son, I gave you three symptoms of an orphan spirit and an orphan heart. I want to just mention two of them, and I want you just to kind of kind of put your thumb, will you say put your thumb there in your Bible, just put your thumb there in this information and see if it doesn't resonate with what we just read. Two of the symptoms from last week that we now see uh, exemplified in this particular encounter is this, an orphan heart asks with an, an attitude of entitlement or with an expected no. That was one symptom. The second symptom was an orphan works and keeps tabs. Y'all ain't ready for me. Yeah, I just, I'm just telling you. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Jesus, uh, Jesus shows up, and it is apparent that he has established a relationship with this particular family. Um, other than John, who, Jesus, who describes himself as the one that Jesus loved, now we see there's another guy by the name of Lazarus that Jesus loved as well. Jesus has established, it's part of his routine, he has made it a custom that he goes through this little village and he spends time with this family. Now the sisters uh, are experiencing the ultimate hard knock, a tragedy. Uh, their brother, who they are close to, is sick when they send word to Jesus. I don't know how they got Jesus the word. Jesus is off somewhere doing ministry. I don't know if they sent a telegram. I don't know if they used a homing pigeon. I don't know if they texted. I don't know if they did Instagram. I don't know if they, they tweeted him. I don't know what they did. They must have mess, used messenger, but somehow they get the word to Jesus that this guy that you love is sick and we need you to come and rescue us and help us. And Jesus does the unthinkable. He waits. Now you need to understand that he waits four days, and by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. You need to understand the implications of that because we just read it and we don't really realize what's going on. But you do understand, I hope, that in the culture of the day that these ladies lived in, that when their brother dies, there's a problem. Their identity is wrapped up in their brother. Their ability to own property is wrapped up in their brother. Their ability to have legal standing is wrapped up in their brother. Their ability to have any influence socially, economically is wrapped up in their brother. And now their brother is dead and they're uncovered. And they send word to Jesus and he waits. Jesus is probably about one day's journey away from the house of his friends, and he waits until four days pass, and on his way into town, he doesn't even know the, he'd get all the way into town. I don't know how they knew. I don't know how Martha got the word, but Jesus is approaching the outskirts of the town. He stopped in a particular location. Martha meets him there, and she makes a, a, a statement that you've got to hear. I want you to pay close attention to it. She says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother, would not have died. Then she makes this statement. But I know that anything you ask, God will do. Jesus begins to interact with her and begins to describe himself and says, hey, just hang on a second. I am the resurrection and the life. You missed it. Jesus is standing right in front of Martha, and he makes a declaration. Inside of me is resurrection and power. Right standing in front of you, Martha, in this moment, eye to eye, face to face, nothing in between us is the resurrection and the power. And then she states that, 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 that in the last days. I want you to get a glimpse here with, with this knowledge that Jesus has now given her that I am the resurrection and I am the life and I have power over death. I want you to notice that 
there is a logical question that Martha should have has asked that she does not. <laughs> Come on. Y'all, y'all, y'all stay with me now. I'm just telling you that if, 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 if I was Martha in that moment, and I have just been told by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one with life in his hand, I, I, and he looks at me and says, I am standing right here, the resurrection and the power. The next logical question that I would have asked if I would have been Martha was this, then Jesus, would you please, could it be, would it be possible for you to raise my brother right now? Okay, here's the glimpse. Instead, Martha anticipates a no. Or at worst, or at best, anticipates being disappointed. So much so that out of an orphan heart, orphan spirit, she never even asked the next logical question. Are you, are you tracking with me? Okay, so, so then, then, then Martha leaves and she goes home and she says, Hey Mary, Jesus wants to talk to you. Stay with me. Mary travels to the same exact spot that Martha was standing in. She is face to face with Jesus and she asks the same exact, makes the same exact statement. It doesn't differ in the original. You can go read it in Greek, Hebrew, whatever you want to read it in. It's the same exact statement. Mary looks at Jesus and she says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Okay. And Jesus responds to Mary like this. Where'd you put him? Where'd you bury him? Same issue, same situation, same pain, same tragedy, same hopelessness, same exact statement, different response. When Martha makes her statement to Jesus and says, "You, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I want you to see what Jesus does. He teaches her a theology lesson about who he is. I am the resurrection. I'm the life. Right? When, when, when Mary makes her statement to Jesus, he responds by asking her where Lazarus has been buried. Same statement, different results. My question this morning is why? Why does Jesus, why was Jesus' response to Martha to enroll her in Theology 101? Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You need to sign up for classes at the local Bible college and come to an understanding of who I am. There's some good professors up here, and they want to teach you. So let me just enroll you in Bible college for a few moments, Martha, and let me just explain who I am. But when Mary comes and says, Lord, if you'd not been here, my brother would not be dead, Jesus says, take me to the grave. Why? Why? I need you to back up. Let's go back. Let's go back to the previous account. Jesus shows up at their house. I think Jesus is probably tired about right now because if you read ahead of that account, Jesus has been teaching all day long. He walks the two miles to Martha and Mary's house, and he strolls into the living room, and this is how I picture it. Don't mess with me. I think he sat down in the Lazy Boy and kicked up his feet ready to take a little siesta. I'm just going to nap here a moment. I've given everything I've got, and so just leave me alone. Mary comes and sits at his feet. She leans in. 
She learns from him. She loves him. She's enjoying his presence. But the Bible says that Martha, see if this resonates, for those of you that were last week, you'll understand this word right here. But Martha was restless. She is so wrapped up in all the preparations that have to be made that she's restless. She's concerned, here, there, there's an art here that I, men in the room don't understand, only the women will understand this. Martha is wrapped up in the restlessness of making sure that all the food comes out of the oven at the same time and it's all hot. That's an art. She, she's all wrapped up in making sure that the fork is placed on the appropriate side of the plate. She's wrapped up making sure that we don't run out of sweet tea because if I have to give them tea without sugar in it, they're going to throw it away and be upset. Because that's not real tea. I'm preaching right now. <laughs> then, while all of that's going on, she looks around and she discovers that her sister is lazy. And so she comes to Jesus to expose Mary's lack of diligence and instead she exposes her own sickness. This sister was sick. She's working, and she's near Jesus, and she's in the same house with Jesus, and she's rubbing shoulders with Jesus, and she has an audience with Jesus, but she is sick because, remember, orphans work and they keep tabs. And so this sick sister goes to Jesus and says, Hey, would you please pay attention to Mary because I'm in here singing my, myself silly and Mary is just sitting at your feet. I'm in here opening doors for people I don't even like, but my sister is over here doing nothing, just worshiping you. I, I, I'm over here giving all 10% of my 10% and there's this other joke over here, all he wants to do is sit at your feet and, and I'm out here taking care of rugrats while they're in there worshiping and I need some help and I'm pushing buttons on a soundboard and, I, and I'm mad because... I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and my sister's nowhere to be found. And then she comes to Jesus and this is where entitlement shows up because I told you when you operate out of an orphan spirit, because there's lack of contentment, you operate out of a spirit of entitlement. And she comes to Jesus and she doesn't even make a request. She makes a demand. She says to her, Lord, she says to him, tell Mary to get off of her rear and help me. Okay, y'all ain't helping me none. And Jesus' response is simply this. Martha, you are worried about everything except what matters. And Mary has chosen what is better, and I will not take that away from her. The exchange in Luke 10, where Jesus comes and stands outside a city, a village, and is approached by two sisters, the difference in that exchange is revealed in John chapter 11. Martha was operating and living with an orphan heart. You don't see me, Jesus. You don't care about me, Jesus. You could have helped me with this buffet, and you didn't, Jesus, so why should I expect you to help me with the burial? 
The simple truth today is simply this, that it is the one who had learned to sit at Jesus' feet who gets a different response. Can't get no help. I need you to remember that this is the woman that the Bible says who pushed past all the religious folks and pushed past their sneering and their accusations and their crude comments and their finger pointing and she, they're trying to shame her and yet she pushes past and through all that and she, she pours her perfume on Jesus' feet and what I've discovered in these accounts is simply this, that the hard knocks that she'd endured in her sketchy past and the hard work, the hard knocks she'd faced in this moment of tragedy never shook her understanding of who she is. And the result is simply this. Jesus responds to her need. The one who consistently spent time at Jesus' feet knew that she was in his heart. She knew who she was. She knew the truth of what we just sung, that fear is not my future, that my brokenhearted is not my home, uh, death is not the end. She wrecked somehow in the mix while she had been sitting at Jesus' feet. She discovered the truth of who she was and whose she was. And the reason I so desperately want you to un be able to uproot and upend and make sure that you don't act like an orphan, believe like an orphan, behave like an orphan, think like an orphan, is because this encounter teaches us that a different relationship results in a different response. And let me just help you this morning. An orphan will come back to Passion Church week after week after week after week after week after week and get more and more and more and more information about Jesus. You will become more theologically sound. You will know more about Jesus. You will find out more information about Jesus. But it is the person that walks in this room that knows who they are and know who he is that will get more and more and more and more response from Jesus because you know who you are and you've learned to sit at his feet. It's important to know who you are. It's important you know who you are. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with laboring for the Lord. Can I just fill you in, newsflash? Sundays would look a lot different if people weren't willing to labor for the Lord. You'd be opening your own door. Uh, the lights wouldn't be on when you got here. It would be hot because nobody turned on the A.C., the sound would not exist. You would have to watch your own kids in the sanctuary and try to listen while they're running crazy. You, you wouldn't get any coffee. You'd have to make your own. There is nothing wrong with serving because we recognize that saved people serve people. We recognize that we labor out of love. So I'm not trying to tell you that you shouldn't work for the Lord. What I am trying to teach you is that before you do, you got to know who you are. And to uproot an orphan heart, listen, I just want to help you this morning. You will never discover who you are in Christ just because you serve. Some of you, as soon as you got here, you start serving, hoping that it will help you discover who you are. I got news for you. Serving will never show you who you are. Okay. So, 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 so the only way, I'm convinced of this, and then we're going to practice this. We're going to practice the only way to uproot, to rip out an orphan heart from your life, 
is to learn the lesson of lean. I want you to notice that in a previous message I mentioned to you that John referred to him as the one that Jesus loved. I want you to see where he was when he discovered that lesson. The Bible says they were sitting around a, a last supper together and John says, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Guess where he was? He was leaning on Jesus' chest. How does he know he's the one that Jesus loves? Because he's got his ear right up against Jesus' heart. And he recognizes his heart is beating for me. He loves me. Now we fast forward back up to this account. And somehow, some way, as, as Mary is leaning in on Jesus, spending time at Jesus' feet, listening to him, loving on him, learning from him, somewhere in the exchange she figures out he knows me. I'm known by him. He loves me. He cares for me. And she becomes sure of who she is and sure of whose she is. And she does it the same way that John did it. By leaning. I'll take you back to the account. Martha says, hey, Mary, Jesus is out there. Instead, we will understand that, in fact, we are the children, the sons, the daughters, the joint heirs, the grafted-in ones, the adopted ones, the children of God who have the heart of God, and we lean on Him. Come on, would you just stand up with me for a second? This is what I want you to do. We're going to sing, and I want you to do I'm giving you options. I just give you options this morning. You do whatever you need to do. I just need you to lean into him. So whether that is standing and raising your hands, whether that is kneeling at your own seat and making it an altar, or finding a place in this room, we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. We're not in a hurry. Some of you, it's been a long, long time since you leaned. 
some of you haven't leaned in a long time. You've worked, but you haven't leaned. You've served, but you haven't leaned. You've asked questions, and God gave you a theology lesson because you haven't been leaning. I need you to lean this morning. We're going to take some time and lean on him and get to know him and to hear his heartbeat. So I, 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 I dismiss you right now, not from this service, but from where you are. Do what you got to do to get up at his feet and lean in and hear his heartbeat one more time. Come on, would you move? Come on, sing. Let's sing this this morning and learn to lean again.
So from this position of lean, knowing that when we lean on him, we discover who we are and whose we are. And that from a position of lean, we get a different kind of response. Just in the next few moments, would you just, because I don't want you to act or behave or believe like an orphan. I don't want you to anticipate a no. I, I, I don't want you to anticipate this of being disappointed instead. With an, with an understanding, with confidence in our soul about who we are, not with arrogance, not out of a spirit of entitlement, but a spirit of gratitude. Would you now, in a, in a position of lean, would you just make the petitions of your heart known? Lord, if you'd been here, my dreams wouldn't be dead. Lord, if you'd been here, my destiny wouldn't be dead. Lord, if you'd been here, my hopes wouldn't be crushed. Would you make your petitions known out of a position of lean that I understand who I am and that it's your desire to do good things as a good, good father? Would you make your petitions known expecting resurrection life to be breathed in? Come on, right there in the privacy of your own moment. No one leading you, no one praying for you. Would you just tell Jesus what you have need of, what you've been scared to ask for?
I pray that a radar would go off in us when we begin to exhibit the symptoms of and the signs of operating from an orphan heart. I pray that the moment we feel like we don't really care, the moment we feel like we're unseen, the moment we feel like you don't hear us, the moment we refuse to ask for your assistance because we're anticipating a no or to be disappointed, the moment we become restless and then become ruthless and we begin to point fingers at people that are working or are spending time at your feet rather than working like us, I pray that in that moment the whistle will go off, the radar will ping, and we will, we will understand in that moment that we're not orphans and we can trust you. We've got to do is keep leaning not under our own understanding. We lean on you. We lean on you. We, we lean on you until we remember that that heartbeat we hear is your heart beating for us, that we're in your heart, that you have good intentions towards your people to bless them and prosper them and not harm them. Your word never says that weapons won't be formed against us. In fact, it promises that there will be. There will be weapons formed against us. But I declare today that when we know who we are and whose we are, that those weapons will not prosper. They will be struck down simply because we know who we are and whose we are. I pray that this word would set up residence in our heart and we would walk with an understanding that we're your sons and we're your daughters and you care about us. Seal this word in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Teach us to lean. We ask you to do this for your glory, for your honor, and for your kingdom's sake and for this body's sake. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Come on, touch your neighbor, tell him, lean. Learn to lean. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Lean, 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 lean. Then you may be seated real quick. Pastor Drew's going to come and close us. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.